Section 11 of An Explorer in the Air Service. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. An Explorer in the Air Service by Hiram Bingham. Section 11. The Third Aviation Instruction Center. In August, another reorganization of the air service took place. More activities were centered in Paris, and the organization of squadrons was taken out of the hands of the chief of personnel. General Patrick, at the same time, had pity on the woes of an explorer who had been tied for many months to office work, and sent him to Issoudun to take command of his largest flying school. All the American flying schools in France were at that time, August the 23rd, 1918, under the immediate direction of Colonel Walter G. Kilner, Chief of Training for the Chief of Air Service. Colonel Kilner was the best chief that anyone in the Air Service could ask to have. A graduate of West Point and of the Aviation School at San Diego, he had served on the punitive expedition into Mexico had had interesting experiences with mexican bandits and old-fashioned ships was in command at mineola when i took my tests as a reserve military aviator and had gone overseas with general foulois he had shown extraordinary ability at issoudun in bringing order out of chaos during the winter of nineteen seventeen to eighteen he had taken the school at a time when it is said that general pershing had called it the worst mud hell in france and in five months had made it the most comfortable camp in the a e f his military education his technical training his ability as a pilot and his skill as an administrator made him an ideal chief of training he was later decorated with the distinguished service medal the first aviation instruction center established near paris had early been abandoned possibly because it was too near paris the second aviation instruction center was built up from the old french airdrome and flying school on the plateau across the river at tours it was gradually enlarged to meet the needs of the american service and for a long time was the principal place for the preliminary training of flying cadets for this purpose it was equipped with the old-fashioned caudrons later on it was developed entirely as a school for training aerial observers and as such was most successful under the very competent direction of lieutenant colonel s w fitzgerald the story of issoudun where the third aviation instruction centre was located is one full of lights and shadows Located on the arid plains between the villages of Vatan and Lisaray, the camp was some seven miles west of the historic town of Issoudun, made famous by Balzac. It was right in the heart of France, about 25 miles north of Châteauroux, about 65 miles due south of Orléans, and 25 miles west of Bourges it was not far from two of the largest american supply depots gievre and romarantin 
the land was of clay mixed with small shaly rocks the soil was so poor that villages and farmhouses were relatively few and far between this gave the large open spaces necessary for the flying fields but the ground was so impervious to water that it did not dry readily and was frightfully muddy for months at a time in order to reach the selected location an american railroad nine miles in length was built to connect with the french lines near the town of issoudun the third a i c as our post was usually called consisted of a main camp containing headquarters hospitals instruction barracks quartermaster stores aero supply warehouses repair shops sleeping quarters for about four thousand men and an assembly and test field and within a radius of five miles a dozen other fields covering altogether about fifty square miles of french territory we had over a thousand airplanes and could accommodate about the same number of students there were nearly five thousand enlisted men on duty a number which was soon increased until there were altogether about eight thousand persons including officers men chinese laborers and german prisoners occupied in keeping this school in operation our function was to take aviators who had received their preliminary flying training elsewhere and give them advanced and special training thereby fitting them to become pursuit observation or ferry pilots as the needs of the war and the abilities of the pilots might indicate more than two thousand pilots were graduated here one's first impression of issoudun depended entirely on how one approached it to the enlisted mechanic of a squadron arriving at night after a long and tiresome journey in a freight car it must have seemed like getting into any other american camp where there was plenty of mud underfoot a group of rough board barracks all around and the satisfaction of knowing that total ignorance of french was not going to spoil the comfort of his billet on the next day or rather the next sunday afternoon when he found that he was many miles from an interesting town it was not so amusing it was my good fortune to see issoudun first from an elevation of about ten thousand feet in may major spatz then commanding officer had kindly flown me over from tours fortunately i did not know that he had recently been the victim of two bad accidents and had crashed two machines in succession on landing otherwise i might not have taken such pleasure in my ride seated for the first time in my life in the front seat of a small nieuport i greatly enjoyed my first cross-country view of france from the air after passing for some distance up the lovely valley of the cher and over some extensive wooded areas we came at last in view of wide-spreading plains as we drew nearer i made out little groups of hangars here and there and finally realized that an interesting grey patch coloured somewhat differently from the surrounding plain was a group of buildings that included the main barracks shops and headquarters of the third aviation instruction centre it was always a pleasure to take a visitor up and show him our camps and fields from an airplane 
for it was by far the easiest way to give him an adequate idea of the extent of our plant and the admirable way in which colonel kilner and his assistants had laid out the field so as to utilize all the available air space within easy reach of the main repair shops for this reason we were keenly disappointed when assistant secretary of war john d ryan then in charge of the army air service arrived on his first and only tour of inspection and declined to go up we had arranged to have a very comfortable dh four prepared and ready for this purpose and had detailed to it the most experienced and conservative pilot on the post we hoped that mr ryan would thus get a comprehensive idea of his largest flying school i remember that he gave as his reason for not caring to go up that he had made the rule that civilians must not be taken up in army planes and he felt that he ought not to break his own rules it was also a keen disappointment to be visited at night by one of the most influential members of the senate military affairs committee he arrived after dark and left before midnight there were so many things that one would like to have had him see and personally understand of course there were many other places in france which needed his attention worse than ours did but that did not allay our dissatisfaction with his nocturnal tour of inspection to the visiting officer who came into our camp by motor-car there was nothing very comprehensive or picturesque it was not nearly as striking as the average military camp in the united states nor one quarter as impressive as the splendid aviation fields at home aviators arriving from ellington field or dayton were rarely enthusiastic about it it had grown from very small beginnings and had been built of whatever materials colonel kilner could get hold of the barracks were of various sizes and kinds the shops were of different vintages the hangars were a medley of canvas steel and imitation concrete the first sign that caught the eye on entering from the highway was police prison and labour officer the fact that a few minutes later one found oneself on the corner of broadway and fifth avenue only partially alleviated the shock one had received from the sign at the entrance we tried to be neat and soldierly so we were greatly pleased when a visiting brigadier-general of cavalry told us that our men saluted more snappily than those in any camp he had visited in france and we tried to be as efficient as possible but we had no time to go in for handsome outward appearances and the original plans had not contemplated thrilling the natives by any display nevertheless when we really managed to get a visiting officer up in the air it was a pleasure to see the surprise and satisfaction on his face as he looked around over fifty square miles of territory and noted the evidences of american energy and enterprise so far as i know the only general officer ever to arrive at issoudun by airplane was general harbord when he was in command of the services of supply he came down from tours one day on a short tour of inspection and was piloted by colonel kilner then chief of training general harbord took a keen interest in aviation and sent the following paragraph about our pilots to the editor of the plain news our local paper 
in war as it is being waged on the western front the heir of the knights of other days is the pilot of the pursuit plane the fighting pilot like the knights of old goes forth to individual combat where two may meet but one alone depart the greatest of knights were the finest men and let america's crusaders ever uphold this tradition chivalrous clean and fearlessly fighting until we wipe from the earth this scourge of german culture colonel kilner made us frequent visits by air and enormously increased the enthusiasm of the pilots for air service management by his own personal enthusiasm for flying and fearlessness in travelling about france wherever he needed to go by air instead of by road he had had several crashes in his career both in mexico and california as well as in france and he was thoroughly familiar with the psychology of discomfort following a bad crash but this never induced him to accept the excuse of being too busy to fly or of claiming that it was so important that he reach a given point on time that he could not afford to take the risks of aerial transportation i know from personal experience after two bad crashes how easy it is to accept the belief that one is not feeling well enough to fly everybody knows that one ought not to fly except when feeling well in administrating the third aviation instruction center i followed the general principle of giving the heads of departments and in particular the commanding officers of the outlying fields the fullest measure of responsibility expecting certain results but not directing the details or the methods by which these results were to be achieved where results did not materialize where inspection disclosed unsatisfactory conditions where criticism did not bear fruit the responsible heads were quickly removed and the best men available put in their places on the other hand where results were satisfactory encouragement was given to those who were responsible for the results their recommendations for promotion were almost invariably accepted approved and forwarded and their wishes and desires were given the utmost possible consideration every day at noon there met with me my chief assistants including the post executive officer the post adjutant the chief aeronautical engineer the construction and maintenance officer the officer in charge of flying the chairman of the medical research board the commanding officer of the hospital the post quartermaster the commanding officer of student officers commanding officers of outlying fields the liaison officer the police prison and labor officer the post dispersing officer the personnel officer and the officer in charge of aerial gunnery at this meeting everyone had a chance to report progress to air his grievances and to become familiar with the successes and failures of the others special stress was laid on the fact that my staff officers visiting outlying fields and speaking in the name of the post commander must give their instructions through the commanding officer of the outlying field who was personally responsible to the post commander in the same comprehensive manner that the post commander was responsible to the chief of training at headquarters this method of administrating a post that included nearly six thousand enlisted men four hundred and fifty german prisoners 
250 Chinese coolies and from 1100 to 1400 officers, most of them student officers, proved to be satisfactory. The Inspector General, in his report to the Commanding General, SOS, dated November the 26th, 1918, on the subject of his inspection of the Third Aviation Instruction Center, took occasion to commend the post commander for the efficient condition of this center. He also spoke of the competition between the fields, which was used to maintain a high standard of efficiency, and said, A spirit of friendly rivalry exists, which has kept up the interest of the personnel since the signing of the armistice. President Lowell of Harvard University once published in the Atlantic Monthly an article on the importance of competition as a stimulant for undergraduate activities, both physical and mental. Ever since reading it, I have been a sincere believer in the value of competition as a spur to high endeavor. The nature of the Nieuport plain, which was the only one available in large quantities for training purposes, was such as to require a graded course, as will be described in another chapter. It was not an ideal course, but was, I believe, the best that could be devised in view of the equipment available. However, the principle of having a large number of small fields under semi-independent commands, each using two or three hundred enlisted men and doing a certain amount of repairing, and using the main field for assembly and rebuilding, and for the principal warehouse, hospital, quartermaster, etc., worked out extremely well. These fields were generally about two miles apart, so that the air was not crowded even when there were several hundred planes in commission and a thousand students being taught. Daily meetings of the commanding officers of the fields, frequent meetings of engineer officers, officers in charge of flying and supply officers, enabled proper coordination to take place and homogeneous planning to be carried out. I believe that the ideal aviation training center consists of a central plant easily reached by road and air and a dozen surrounding fields where preliminary advanced and specialized flying and aerial gunnery are taught. My duties at headquarters were greatly facilitated by the skill and long army experience of Captain Lester Cummings who was my first adjutant, and who later took charge of preparing squadrons for departure. My second adjutant was Captain William V. Sachs, whose success was due to his unselfish zeal for whatever work was assigned him, combined with unusual charm of manner and unfailing courtesy. It was most fortunate for me that Major Tom G. Lanfear, a veteran of Chateau Thierry, was completing his flying training just as I arrived. His ability to command had been evident on the Aquitania, where I had been impressed by the way he handled the troops at lifeboat drill. His familiarity with the workings of every field on the post, his skill as a pilot, and his loyalty made him an ideal executive officer. He afterwards took command of the post. End of the Third Aviation Instruction Centre